Welcome to Victory Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. Look around. This world is not as it ought to be. Division, disease, discrimination, things are not okay. But this is not how it was intended, and God was not okay with it. He had to make a way back. You can just slide up number seven and eight. From death to life. So he dropped a man into this atmosphere, like an explosion of hope, and like a billion fireworks lighting up the darkest night, he revealed the better way, the best way, the only way to truly live. He came to revive a dying world and divided cultures, to revive despairing hearts and desperate lives, to revive us all. Things are not okay. We need revival. Amen. I hope you're able to hear that this morning. We need revival. And so Jesus came to revive a dying world. He came to uh, revive divided cultures. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at what it means to revive and to be revived. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 64. And we're going to be looking at the first five verses. Isaiah chapter 64. And we're going to begin with verse 1. Scripture says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. (coughs) When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. You meet him, verse 5, who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you today for your word. And God, I pray that it would speak to our hearts this morning, Lord, that it would pierce us to the core. Father, that you would give us understanding and enlightenment to your truth this morning, that we might apply it to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I read this week that if all the sleeping folks would wake up, If all the lukewarm folks would fire up, if all the dishonest folks would fess up, if all the disgruntled folks would cheer up, the estranged folks would make up, if all the gossipers would shut up, somebody say amen, if all true soldiers would stand up, if all the church members would pray up, then we can have revival. Then we can have revival. I want to give you a little bit of a historical background this morning on the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah prophesied during a difficult time, difficult season in history. It was a difficult time for the people of Israel because he spoke against their idolatrous ways. He spoke uh, and confronted the people about how they were living. He spoke against their foreign allegiances. Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah. Isaiah is my favorite book of the Bible. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, just like there are 66 books in the entire Bible. And when we take a look at the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, kind of like the first 39 books of the Bible, we see that there is the judgment of God. And so in those first 39 chapters, Isaiah is confronting the people about how defiant they've been toward the Lord. And he issues prophecies to many different nations. Then the last 27 chapters are full of hope and comfort. And they refer to the Messiah who is to come. In fact, Isaiah prophesies more about the Messiah than any other prophet. And that's why I love this book so much. In Isaiah chapter 6, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Because 20 years ago, when I felt the Lord's call on my life, I found this chapter and I said, that's what I'm supposed to do. It confirmed his call on my life. Scripture tells us in Isaiah chapter 6, that after King Uzziah dies, Isaiah has this vision of the Lord. He has a vision of the glory of the Lord. And the Lord says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. And so the Lord begins to unravel this plan that he has for Isaiah. And Isaiah says, how long, Lord? How long am I going to have to do this? How long is it going to be this way? Some of us can identify with that. And this is the Lord's response. Get ready. He says, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Man, you'd be pretty, feeling pretty encouraged in your call. The Lord's telling you that's how long you got to do this. He said, if even a tenth or a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. So basically, Isaiah, you're going to preach until there's nothing left to preach to. I've called you to do this in a wasteland. The people of Israel had rebelled against the Lord. They had turned away. And in Isaiah chapter 10, the Lord says that he will use the army of Assyria to punish Israel. He would use that army to punish the nation of Israel. If we look at Isaiah chapter 10, Scripture tells us, in that day the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them, but they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. It says a remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. But though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant, only a small portion of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Yes, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, has already decided to destroy the entire land. We have a promise here that there is a remnant. There are those who will survive this invasion by the Assyrians. 
And so we fast forward to chapter 37 of Isaiah. We know that Assyria has invaded Judah, but God protects Jerusalem. And so in Isaiah chapter 37, scripture says those who survive in Judah will be like a vine that puts down deep roots and bears fruits. I, the Lord, Jehovah, all-powerful, will see to it that some who live in Jerusalem will survive. He said, I promise that the king of Assyria won't get into Jerusalem or shoot an arrow into the city or even surround it and prepare to attack. As surely as I am the Lord, he will return by the way he came and will never enter Jerusalem. I will protect it for the sake of my own honor and because of the promise I made to my servant David. How many of you know when the Lord says, I will protect it, he's going to protect it. He's going to protect you. He is your shield and your defense. And so we have this remnant that has been prophesied that will remain this group who will survive. The people of Israel knew that they had sinned against the Lord. They knew that they had rebelled. And they knew that the Lord was punishing them for the sins that they had committed against him. So fast forward again to Isaiah chapter 63 and 64. That's where our text picks up this morning. We see this prayer that encompasses these two chapters. And so at the end of Isaiah chapter 63, the people are basically saying, Lord, return and help us. God, we need you. We, we messed up. We've gone too far. We know we're experiencing your judgment, but we need you to help us. We need you to deliver us. And so we see this plea for God to show up and do something. God, would you show up? Would you tear the heavens and come down? And the prayer continues into chapter 64 that you would tear open the heavens, come down, that the mountains would quake at your presence. They're saying, Lord, show up. Do something. Revive us again. Revive us again. David said in Psalm 85, verse 6, Will you not revive us again that your people might rejoice in you? If you do a word study on that word revive in the Hebrew, it means to have life. It means to remain alive. It means to sustain life, to be quickened from sickness, discouragement, faintness, and death. It means to be restored, to refresh, to cause, to grow, to preserve, to save, and to be whole. How many of you need to be quickened in your spirit this morning? You need to be refreshed. You need to be revived. There's some dead areas in your life that you need God to speak life to. You need some restoration. Lord, revive us again. They said, as the fire kindles brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. They said, when you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. Revive us, Lord. Make your presence known. The people are crying out in distress. Lord, have mercy on us. And in verse 4, they say, For from days of old they've not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of one who waits for him. How many of you are thankful that God acts in your behalf? Amen. 
He acts in your behalf. He waits for the one, acts for the one who waits for him. You know, it seems like in times of national distress that the church cries for a revival, doesn't it? Lord, we need you now. Revive us, help us, Lord. We're in trouble. But what happens when things are going good? We're not calling out as much, are we? Leonard Reagan Hill said the only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. He goes on to say revival delays because prayer decays. Let that sink in for a minute. We read in the Gospel of Luke that there were two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus joins them, and he's walking on the road, and he's talking with them. They invite him to come to their home, and he starts to break the bread. And it's only when he breaks the bread that they realize, we've been walking with Jesus. And then he disappears. So they head back to Jerusalem to tell the others, and they said, were our hearts not burning within us while we were talking to him? They recognized that their hearts were stirred as they spoke to Jesus, but they walked the seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus and didn't even realize who they were talking to. The only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. John Wesley said, I continue to dream and pray about a revival of holiness in our day that moves forth in mission and creates authentic community in which each person can be unleashed through the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill God's creational intentions. Lord, revive us again. In verse 5 of Isaiah 64, part of their prayer says, Lord, you meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. He meets those who rejoice in doing righteousness. That word rejoice in the Hebrew, it means to be glad and to display joy. As a child of God, do you display joy as you walk in his righteousness? Or are you one of the frozen chosen? Nobody ever know you love and serve Jesus because you walk around miserable all the time. Those who rejoice in righteousness. I think I need to preach a little longer on that. Do you rejoice in righteousness? Or are you a frozen chosen? Are you rejoicing? In all that the Lord has done for you. The word return that's used in Isaiah chapter 63 in that prayer is actually the same word that's used in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 12. It says, go and proclaim these words to the north and say, return, you backsliding Israel, says the Lord. And I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. And I will, I will not keep anger forever. Aren't you thankful for that? He says, I am merciful, and I will not stay angry forever. Return from your rebellion and rejoice in righteousness. Frank Bartleman said that the depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. 
The depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. You know, we're so quick to quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We're quick to quote it, but are we quick to live it? That word turn that's used in 2 Chronicles 7.14 means to return. It means to turn away from. It means to restore. It means to refresh. And it means to relinquish. And so we cry out to God to revive us. But are we relinquishing the things that are holding us back? The reality of the connection between repentance and revival is right here in this verse. Seek my face. Turn away from your wicked ways and I will hear you. And I will forgive you and I will heal your land. A.W. Tozer said our mistake is that we want God to send revival on our terms. We want to get the power of God into our hands to call it to us that it may work for us in promoting and furthering our kind of Christianity. He said, we want to still be in charge, guiding the chariot through the religious sky in the direction that we want it to go, shouting glory to God, but modestly accepting a share of the glory for ourselves in a nice, inoffensive sort of way. He said, we call on God to send fire on our altars, completely ignoring the fact that they are our altars. There's a new splash for you this morning. It's not about us. It's not about us. Amen. It's about advancing his kingdom yes. for his glory. Yes. And so we cry out, Lord, revive our nation and our church and our families and our communities, not so that we get the praise, not so that we get a nice pat on the back. It's about advancing his kingdom agenda. That's what it's all about. If you look at a modern day definition of the word revive, it means to activate, to set in motion, and to take up again. And so the remnant of Israel is pleading with the Lord for these very things. Lord, activate your power. Reveal yourself to us yet again. Lord, we need you to show up and show off. Would you revive us again? The people had fallen away, and it wasn't until they were attacked from the outside that they began to cry out, Lord, we need you. We need you to show us your power again. Why is it that it always takes a crisis to bring us to us? Revival starts when God revives Revival starts when God revives our hearts. I read a story this week about a fiery old revival preacher. His name was Peter Cartwright. He was famous for just telling it like it was. And so he was going to be preaching in the D.C. area one, one time. And the people of the church had heard that the president, Andrew Jackson, was coming to visit. And they thought, oh, no, we, we got to do something about this preacher. So they went up to him and they said, uh, 
up. They said, Mr. Cartwright, we know that you get a little carried away. Sometimes you get just a little too excited. And uh, we, we don't want the president to be offended. So we're just going to ask you to tone it down just a little bit. Just tone it down, okay? Pastor said, okay. They said, we, we don't want you to upset the president. So Mr. Cartwright got up in the pulpit that Sunday morning. And his first three sentences were these. He said, I understand that the President of the United States, Andrew Jackson, is with us this morning. I've been asked to be guarded in my remarks. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent. <laughs> the church was appalled. After the service, Andrew Jackson grabbed Mr. Cartwright's hand. He shook it. And he said, Sir, if I had an army of men like you, I could whip the world. If I had an army of men like you, willing to tell it like it is, willing to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth, repent. Revival starts when God revives our hearts. And I've had such an anticipation in my spirit for what it is that God wants to do in and through us, for what he wants to do in this place, on this little corner here on Edgewood. God is looking for willing vessels. And I found a quote this week that said, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. We cry and cry for revival. But maybe the reason we don't see it is because we're not willing to move. Because we're not willing to lean in and press in to what it is that God's asking us to do. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live off of yesterday's manna. I want something fresh from heaven for today. I don't want to live off the testimony of yesterday's saints. I want to experience miracles myself. I don't want to ride on the coattails of my family's faith. I want to be a trailblazer for the kingdom of God. Listen, there are some of us here today who need reviving. Because let's face it, revival starts here. It starts in each and every one of us. And some of us this morning have some areas in our lives that just aren't producing any fruit. Areas that look barren and hopeless. And we need to cry out as David did in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 verse 25, he said, My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. In verse 37, he said, Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. In verse 40, he said, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. In verse 50, he said, This is my comfort in affliction. Your word has revived me. In verse 88, he says, Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. In verse 93, he said, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. In verse 107, he said, I am exceedingly afflicted. Some of you can identify. Revive me, Lord, according to your word. Verse 149, hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, Lord. Verse 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Revive 
me. Verse 156, greater your mercies, Lord. Revive me. Verse 159, revive me, Lord, according to your loving kindness. Eleven times in this one portion of Scripture, David says, revive me, Lord. Revive me, Lord. Revive me, Lord. If all the sleeping folks would wake up, if all the lukewarm folks would fire up, the dishonest folks would fess up, the disgruntled folks would cheer up, the estranged folks would wake up, the gossipers would shut up, the true soldiers would stand up, if the church members would pray, then, then we would have revival. Then. <clears throat> Jim Simbola said that prayer begets revival, which begets more prayer. And so, friends, if you're in need of reviving today, then it's time to repent, and it's time to get on your knees. And I want you to get ready, because when God shows up, mountains are going to start shaking. They're going to start shaking. Father, would you bring healing this morning to fall fresh upon us today? Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are the God of revival. Would you revive us this morning? We ask in the most precious and holy name of Jesus. And God's people said amen. Amen. And amen. Friends, we love you. Have a wonderful and a blessed week. Don't forget to join us Saturday for our work day. And our board members, if you're free, I'm going to ask you for just a few minutes if you could join us up here at the front. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.